This is episode 32 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 32 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Emma Pace on the show and Emma is a realtor out of Toronto, Ontario. She is focused on condo sales. Today we have a great discussion about condo sales in the Toronto market, what's happening, what's coming down the pipe, some current Airbnb regulations that are under review. And she talks about her investment portfolio. She's got a handful of properties so far and she hasn't really been at this game very long but she's immediately dove into significant cash flow by buying wholesale deals so emma is pretty impressive she didn't waste any time in getting going and i was just doing some rough numbers and she's already over two thousand dollars a month in cash flow off of a very very young portfolio Emma's an ambitious person and she's certainly going to be making further strides. So she's definitely a person worth knowing. If you're not already, I'd recommend following her on Instagram. Her handle will be towards the end of this video. So without further ado, please enjoy the episode with Emma Pace. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Emma Pace on the show and I know I said that right. Yeah, you did. Absolutely. Yeah. did. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, Emma, thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So it's really nice to finally connect. I know we we talked a little bit on on Instagram and I know you have an interesting backstory, which I'll hear. I saw that you had been down to Oric. I saw some pictures. I'm like, who is Emma Pace? <laughs> and um, anyway, so why don't, why don't you just tell your story, uh, your little elevator pitch as to what you're doing in business and real estate investing? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my main sort of day-to-day business is I'm a realtor with a company called Zucasa Downtown. Okay. Um, so the brokerage is actually kind of like a hybrid of a tech company and a real estate brokerage. Um, so I started there sort of... Um, with the takeover, it actually used to be owned by Rogers, and then it was taken over by our CEO and a couple of investors. And during that takeover, I transitioned as one of the first five agents with the company. Okay. And then basically from there, I started to really hone in on the condo market downtown uh, because I found that... I gelled with the sort of buyer profile, sort of young professionals, that kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. I also wanted to figure out a way to ensure the longevity of my business. So I realized that most people who purchase condos say that they're going to stay for about five years, but the statistics actually show that they usually trade condos between every two to three years. So I was just trying to figure out a way that I could line my business up and always have that consistent cycle of repeat and referral business. Right. Um, and then with that said, I, uh, I didn't own my condo when I, when I, first got into real estate and I'm the type of person where I want to be authentic to my clients. Right. And I just figured, okay, I need to figure out now as being, I think it was 24, um, how do I buy a condo and how do I figure this out? So that was my first sort of endeavor into investing, uh, which was actually a private deal that I purchased from a friend of mine and did, um, an accidental burr because I didn't know what burr meant at the time. Yeah. Um, so I ended up purchasing that condo and doing a program called Purchase Plus Improvements. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I actually didn't purchase any other properties until last year, which was really when my real estate investing journey actually got started, which was a year ago, um, August 2018. And then since then, I've purchased... Um, a sort of student rental in London over near Fanshawe, which is a condo townhouse, a okay. duplex in the Old East Village in London, and then a duplex in Christie Pits in Toronto. 
Okay, so the Toronto duplex, uh, what did that set you back? That one there actually was a wholesale deal through uh, Luke Boyron. Okay, so shout out to Luke. Eventually, he'll be on the show. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to yeah. get him on the show. He's uh, an amazing businessman. And um, yeah, I think networking obviously goes a long way because a lot of the deals that I've been able to purchase have been through networking with other people sort of yeah. in this uh, you know southwestern Ontario um, sort of group, right? So Mike Rosehar, Adam Martin... Uh, which has since introduced me to Matt and Jeff and those guys, and yeah. then Luke through his uh, his regular meetups. And- Were those guys involved in the purchases you had in London? Yes. So Mike was involved in the first one, and I actually met Adam through Instagram, which connected me to the second one, and yeah. then uh, yeah, and then Luke through the third one. Wow. Yeah. And okay, so for some context as to how long you've been in real estate and are you one of the top performers as far as condos go or what's yeah. what's the, so, I know there was a line there. I just didn't know exactly what it was. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So um, there's, I believe, 70 agents now and I'm one of the top two agents at Zucasa. So I do the most volume mm-hmm. in terms of transactions. And then we've got another agent who's more of like our luxury guy yeah. who does a lesser number of transactions, but we still tend to compete for gross Dollars. commissions just yeah. because, uh, you know, yeah. he's, he's smashing out the big three to seven million dollar deals where I'm just churning over smaller deals, but uh, yeah. with more volume, yeah. Okay, so you're doing you're doing mainly condo sales in Toronto or other things as well? Uh, I'm starting to transition a little bit to working more with investors. And now mm-hmm. that I live in the Christie Pitts area, um, doing a little bit more in terms of the freehold. But I've been trying to build my team out. So I've got a client care coordinator who sort of helps with all of the paperwork on the back end with my clients. Yeah. And then a showing specialist who helps with all of my showings, which I intend on having take over the condo business and then focus more on the... Uh, the freehold side of things myself focus on freeholds yeah. for your own buys or for your clients or a, a mix, mixture of both mixture of both mixture of both yeah okay now so because you're from toronto there's sort of a unique opportunity that we can talk about what's hot in toronto right now what what seems like a lucrative investment what yeah. what's an area of concern um do you mind just enlightening me as to your take on yeah. what's going on in toronto right now so why don't i give you some recent stats on where things are and then sure. we can sort of talk about why i think there's opportunities in certain sectors so detached properties in the 416 are actually down 9.1 percent year over year right now so the average hmm. purchase price for detached homes in toronto last year was 1.35 Okay. This year it's 1.225. Okay. Okay. So do I think there's an opportunity there? I think with the rental, the rental trajectory has been uh, increasing pretty significantly over the last year. So if you're able to acquire a a multifamily at a lower cost than what you were able to last year, there are some cash flow opportunities there. Okay. Um, Condo townhouses and semis have both appreciated about 5%. So relatively average in the historical stats for Treb. Uh, And then condos have been at a very consistent upward trend, which is 8%. And that's one of the slower growth years that I've seen since I've been in real estate. So 8% in the last year on condos. Yeah. Um, How long have you been tracking this? Or how many years back are you kind of looking I've been in real estate for five years. Five years. Okay. So over the five years, what's the average growth across the market that you've seen? Um, over the last five years, it's been kind of skewed. A little bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, we've <laughs> seen, you know, I would say if I took the last five years, it's probably closer to 10, but I think that that's unsustainable yeah. growth and probably not healthy. It's obviously great when you're a homeowner and you're able to yeah. see that, but I also think that 
you know, most people who are homeowners have to move at some point in time and it's okay. Where, where are you going to go with numbers like that? Um, so I still think that there's a tremendous, um, opportunity for those who want to purchase condos. And it just goes back to, I guess, any sort of entry level position in the market where, you know, condos are the, the most affordable, let's say, quote unquote, affordable opportunity for people to get into the market. So you have a lot of investors and you've got a lot of first time buyers. So the buyer pool is very healthy and very heavy down there, right? So if you're able to purchase something at, you know, below market value and do slight upgrades, um, there's some good opportunity there. That's the, the, uh, the, um, the tricky little factor there below market value yeah, yeah how is it that you buy something below market value in toronto how do you see people doing that i still think that there's a lot of opportunities on mls because there are so many condos that trade i still mm-hmm. think that there are on market opportunities to do that because when you're dealing with a lot of first-time buyers they get sold on the staging they get sold on the marketing they yes. want the perfect looking unit right um and there are a lot of units on mls that don't look perfect. They have no pictures. You walk in and they're tenanted and they look horrible and the sellers are willing to um, let them go at a discount, but you still have to deal with the headaches, right? right. Um, so that's why I'm a huge proponent for my sellers. I always do the marketing. I always go to the sort of ends of the earth to make their property look picture perfect and present right. it as a product. Um, but with my buyers that are comfortable with it, that have more of the investor mindset, mm-hmm. then I'm always gearing them towards the things that don't look great online yeah. and there's still deals to be had that way i like that you drew that out because i know for myself i've sold many a property because i was renovating them and i was tenanting them and then selling them to investors and i always said that i loved selling to investors because they're not emotional they don't look at the finish of the house and say well i don't like gray i prefer brown mm-hmm. uh, they don't say those kind of things it's more like do i like 600 dollars a month in cash flow or yeah. don't i and I guess to, you know, there's two sides to that because when you're, you're only selling to investors, which is sort of what I was doing for quite some time, it, it does take some of the pool away, right? Yeah, Whereas absolutely. when you're selling condos in downtown Toronto, like you said, you've got international investors, you've got first time home buyers, you've got uh, professionals that work downtown that yeah. don't have families and don't even care to cook. And, yeah. and, you know, they're just in and out and they want a place right down near where, where work yeah. is. You uh, also have a lot of people who, um, work for international companies that yeah. have, you know, decent jobs that can purchase a place where they just come to rest their head kind of thing, right? So there's yeah. in quite a few uh, different sort of buyer profiles that you can target when you're selling a condo. Yeah, so as far as sales go, obviously there's tons of transactions. There's a huge demand. That's why condos are going up like crazy in Toronto. Yeah. Do you know the stats on how many condo starts they have right now? Uh, number of transactions up 14% year over year. So that's condo sales? That's condo sales. Okay. Uh, right now we're at just over 1,600 versus 1,400 last year. So individual unit sales in in Toronto proper? In, in Toronto proper, yeah. So for condo sales, those are resale or new construction sale? Resale. Okay, so or would they all be lumped together? Uh, assignment sales would be lumped in that but that would just be um traditional trades on mls not purchased okay so this is just on mls of course a lot of the larger developers don't sell on mls yeah exactly so those would be outside of that we're just talking so condos are obviously a a major demand um yeah absolutely absolutely 
Do you think, and I know I loved how you put quote unquote uh, when you said uh, affordable. Yes. I think my number one gripe with uh, with condos is the condo fee and the complete lack of control over it. Okay. Uh, second gripe would be the, um, the inability to control what your neighbors will vote for when electing people to positions within the condo corporation. Sure. And um, I've, I've experienced it. One thing that particularly irks me is uh, my wife owns a condo at, uh, well, I'm not going to give the exact address, but uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> I almost did. Do you want to show uh, the unit number two? No, maybe, maybe not quite yet. I don't even do that with my own properties. Yeah. But basically in the uh, Bathurst and King West mm-hmm. area, and um, they have set a, an arbitrary limitation that six months is the minimum lease. Sure. Which, I mean, if you're trying to avoid Airbnb people, one month will do that. Yeah. You, you know, part, weekend partiers, like a second you say one month is is minimum. So I just see it as being very irrational. Sometimes he's like, who came up with that and why? What was the logic? What, what are your takes on these things? Um, I also agree with you, but my thoughts are, regardless of your minimum rental stay, there's going to be people who are going to do Airbnb regardless. So yeah. I, I fully agree with you. I mean, it's just sort of like this arbitrary number that they just like, uh, I don't know. We're just going to guess and say that six months will reduce yeah. Airbnbs. I don't necessarily think that, uh, you know, one way or the other, there's any sort of hard facts to prove whether or not that's true. Yeah. Um, but I think my thoughts on condos for investors, uh, I think we associate ourselves with a very young network of people who are strictly focused on cash flow. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, there's a lot of investors out there who want the safer option. They want the highest quality tenant profile. They mm-hmm. don't care about the cash flow. They yeah. want to park the, um, their cash in something that requires very minimal maintenance. They don't want the Airbnb thing. They know that they're going to do year over year yep. rentals, right? So I think that those are the people that should focus on condos because okay. we can provide AAA tenants almost all of the time. We yes. can do our due diligence to ensure that we are purchasing in a condo that has a, you know, Mm -hmm. a great reserve fund and, uh, you know, we can anticipate what their expenditures are going to be or the repairs are going to be for this year, the increase on their maintenance fees. So I think there's a very particular segment of people that condo investment properties actually work for. Right. I agree. But if you're looking for cash flow, it's probably not the number one place. It's not your greatest place to look. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's an interesting discussion to have. And, I'd love to break down just what the cash flow would be, but I think you made a really good point there. I mean, I've talked to investors. I just had uh, John Scholler on the show yesterday, and he was actually on the on the show a while back. And um, basically, John said that uh, you know where he is, he can get cash flow, but their properties will not go up in, in value. He's from West Virginia, okay, so they won't go up in value. Uh, whereas you know he he wants to invest up here, but being American, that makes it hard for him. Sure, yeah, because yeah. he sees that you know yeah, there's a lot of markets that don't cash flow, or maybe they're just going to make a little bit. Yeah, but the appreciation that we've been getting is insane. Yeah, and if that even considered it continues at a you know two to three percent rate, that's still better than what he's seeing. Totally. Yeah. And I, I think that's fair. And I think that comes back to a question that I, I receive a lot. And that is my opinion on pre-construction. Yeah. And it's funny being in the condo market. I'm actually uh, not much in favor of investing in pre-construction because my thoughts are if we're investing solely for appreciation yeah. in a pre-construction market, that market and the resale market tend to move together. Yes. So my opinion is why would we 
miss out on even at a break-even point with a condo why would we miss out on five years worth of principal pay down if the market's going to move in the same way rather than just hope and pray that in five years my property appreciates at the same level i can give one counter argument to that and i'm Uh, absolutely so i had jazz on the show and i know we we talked about this but um basically my thought is okay so if if it is a five-year horizon which i think that's a little bit long for typical maybe say three to five years somewhere around that sure the nice thing is some people aren't in a position to qualify for a mortgage right now so there's people dealing with permanent residency issues they can they can buy into pre-co yeah and uh you know it kind of bridges the gap for them while they get all that stuff sorted Mm -hmm. but then there's also the if you if you get in early and here's the big if If, because by the time it hits the mls by the time the last 10 percent of the units hit the mls those are at premium pricing yeah totally the early stuff went to a handful of people that had connections to that uh that developer so I think in the most ideal scenarios, if you can get, and that's the if, yeah, if yeah. you can get into that early on Platinum uh, access or whatever, and, and, right? and buy at today's price mm-hmm. for four years down the road, now all of a sudden four years down the road turns around and, and now you have $200,000 in equity before you even take possession. Yeah. yeah, you don't have anything on your credit bureau. And yes, you've had to fork out some down deposit money but you haven't been experiencing any negative cash flow which some people might mm-hmm. uh, i would think hopefully if you do invest in that time frame assuming toronto continues and that's another if yeah continues to do what it's been doing you should be in a pretty good position of cash flow and equity position right off the get-go yes the the only thing that concerns me and that i've found with buyers that i've worked with in the past is we're literally putting all of our trust in the fact that you're going to do everything that you need to do to be able to qualify before that closes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, that's a risky right? position. So I think there's... Yeah. Is there opportunity to make money? Without yeah. question. I fully agree with that, especially yeah. if the market moves the way that it's going to. But I think that we're leaving um, a lot of opportunity for someone to you know, call us. And for me as an agent, it's great if someone wants to call me and sell their condo before they actually close on it. Sure. But I wouldn't want to put my clients in any position where... If for some reason we're not able to sell it on assignment or whatever yep. it is, that they're put in a more negative position. So I, I absolutely yes. see both sides of it. Yep. I personally have just focused on the resale side of things because I think that there's more pros to the resale than there are pros yeah. to the um, pre-construction. And I, I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, I, I think there are tons of pros to the the resale market. Um, I would say, you know, just a caveat to what I had said before with, you know, people who don't quite qualify yet and maybe down the road they will. Um that type of strategy only makes sense if you can afford to close it in cash if it doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. Like you got to be, believe it or not, there is a way to invest in real estate pay, taking almost no risk, yep. like almost none. That would not be one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, <laughs> but, totally. But I mean, I, my profile as an investor is I actually am fairly risk averse. Like I, I don't take much risk with anything I do. Sure. Uh, I have at one point in my life and it burned me real bad. Okay. So on on one hand that that's slowed me in a way, but it's also protected me and kept my investors' money safe. Sure. So there's many different benefits to to being smart about it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right. So do you care to elaborate on what that was? <laughs> my my getting burned. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've talked about this a couple of times, but yeah, um, basically one of the things that happened was I tried to develop a duplex in London. It was in an area that was uh, was very decrepit. Houses were sinking old. Um, it was it was, you know, 
historic, but historic poor, not sure. not historic character. Basically, it was a, a house with wonky floors, crawl space, not not good construction type, saggy. And uh, I decided that, you know, this is the one I was going to try and do it. I went in for planning and I was almost approved. I, I had gone in for site plan approval. And uh, this is where they would basically tell me, yes, you can build this duplex. And this is how, we, you know, these are a couple of the little things we want you to do in the process. So I got to that point and then I'm like, site plans pending. They told me I should have it within two weeks. And I went ahead and I called up the utilities. I called Union Gas, like the gas company and the okay. electric company. And I said, uh, yeah, let, let's get my demo permit going. You know, so I, I uh, started doing all the things for the demolition permit. Well, they snipped the line and the neighbors see they're like, what's going on? Oh, no. <laughs> the neighbors end up going to City Hall, seeing my plans, calling their local city councilor, calling the newspaper. I had 40 people on my front lawn saying not in our backyard. And they all objected uh, to it. Yeah, they, they had a picture in front of my house standing on my property. And they were saying not in my backyard. And uh, I made the front page of the London Free Press at the time. Wow. That started uh, an interim control bylaw. So the reaction was, I you know, I had... I had the news stations calling me, wanting interviews, and I'm like, no, uh, I don't want to talk to any of you. I was so angry that you know they were acting like this, and I'm just like, you know what? It doesn't matter. This is happening anyway. Well, uh, le- lesson: uh, y- the neighborhood can always affect you, um, so sure. don't ever assume that they can't. I basically just, I kind of ended up walking away with my tail between my legs, and it took four years for that property to recoup what I had into it before okay. I was able to be uh, sold. It was a really uncomfortable, you know, not fun, humbling experience, which taught me a lot. And then the other the other one, <laughs> these are, you know, lessons of things not to do, but have taught me so much is investing in Ohio when I lived in Burlington, being six hours away from my, my investments. And, you know, I had a property manager I trusted. Yeah. And um, ultimately that was a mistake. And, and that cost me a lot of money as well, probably about 40 grand. Those are my lessons. Those are my, my tuition in real estate investing, we'll call it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I think everyone that at some mm-hmm. point is going to run into a little bit of a hurdle like that. Yeah. And, uh, but I think that it's your mindset that you're yeah. willing to adopt, which is going to determine um, how and or if you move forward. And I, I was out of the game for a bit. And I will say that, I mean, having that property manager destroy my property and take my money and he literally even collected my tenant's money and used wow. it like for himself. Uh, having all that happen, it made me so careful when I was now hiring people and I would I would deal with trades and I'd say, you know what, I uh, this is my policy because of things that have happened in the past. Sure. And I just kind of blamed it on the past. You know, I've had this happen in the past. Therefore, this is how I do things. Yep. You know, I don't pay deposits. That was one of the first things that came from that. No deposits whatsoever, ever. Milestones, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah deposits now like if i have like a trade that i've worked with for years that's different yeah and you're comfortable with them. so I'll, I'll, i might uh, i might change the way i do things around that but but i mean new relationships yeah good luck well, yeah, <laughs> i yeah, will yeah. not no, i will sure. not pay a deposit to a new a new relationship and you know but i don't mind i'm very reasonable i'm a very reasonable person like I'll, I'll meet people i'll pay the milestones i'll explain my position and you know that's uh it's worked yeah yeah but if i hadn't gone through getting burned in Ohio, maybe I never would have, would have made that adjustment and would have got burned bigger here. Yeah, absolutely. You, you never know, For right? Sure. So it's funny how things happen. And, and I'm definitely an advocate of learn from my mistakes. Don't learn from making your own. But yeah. you, you will have to make some of your own anyway, too. Yeah, so. I also think that's easier said than done. And you say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And then you come into the situation. You're like, uh, OK, I did it. <laughs> well, as much as people could say learn from my mistakes, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like people will still make a lot of them themselves. Now, yeah. hopefully you can avoid the bigger ones or 
you have a couple little small mistakes that hurt enough in a small instance that you realize, oh, wow, good thing I didn't scale that. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> so um, anyway, so we obviously got off on a little bit of a, a tangent about me, but I want to know about your investing. So sure. why don't you uh, why don't you tell me? I know you've obviously got the condo downtown. Is that yeah. your home? Uh, it was. And now I'm in Christie Pitts in the duplex there. Okay, so, so you're living the, on one side or up, uh, I live oh, upstairs, upstairs. And then my JV partner actually lives on the main floor. So we sort okay. of structured a... I guess a hybrid model of purchase that through a wholesale, did it as a JV, was a duplex. We intend on adding another unit in the basement that we can actually Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been sort of a plethora of yeah. all the different models that I've learned along my sort of journey. Um, and then the condo downtown is currently an Airbnb that's actually located in a building that allows ex- exclusively allows Airbnb. Okay. Um so that one's been extremely profitable. Um, you know, the numbers on Airbnb, if we're talking about cash flow downtown Toronto, that's the one way to to turn something that typically doesn't have much cash flow into a cash flow machine. Tell me all about it. <laughs> I'm going to pause you right there. We're yeah. going to talk about Airbnb in Toronto right now. So um, we don't have the ability to uh, fast forward in time and know what the decisions to the hearings this week mm-hmm. are, are going to say. But can you just recap what the uh, the current issue it's a bylaw that's currently in appeal hey guys let's just pause the episode for a second and hear from our sponsors today's episode is brought to you by the real estate growth summit hosted in toronto ontario at the pearson convention center on november's 11th and 12th i have dylan here to talk to you about the things that you're going to learn at the real estate growth summit dylan take it away thanks andrew really excited to be sponsors of your podcast this event is for listeners like you that want to take your real estate sales or real estate investing business to the next level and to replace your active income with passive income through learning and implementing the systems and processes used by the best in the industry. Be prepared to walk away with some tangible tools and an action plan that I have personally used to become a top performer in the industry in just under three years. To get your tickets before prices go up, visit www.realestategrowthsummit.ca. And for being loyal listeners of Andrew's podcast, there's a special discount code just for you. All you have to do is enter Andrew REI as the promo code at checkout to save $50 off admission. The only way you're ever going to reach your massive goals is to take massive action. So go get your tickets today and we'll see you at the event. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Technically, we have the rules in place, but they are um, unenforced at this point. Okay. Yeah. It's so an appeal period, right? So, yeah. so it's not enforceable right now. Yes. So yeah. the intention for the rules going forward, which we'll, you know, find out in a couple weeks for sure, um, would be... Um, the city intends to allow uh, those who own condos to do short-term rentals if the property is someone's primary residence. So I could own the property designated as my primary residence and be allowed to do short-term rentals, Airbnb, VRBO, that kind of thing. Or I could rent to you, Andrew, as my tenant and it's your primary residence and allow you to run short-term rentals out of my property based on the fact that it is designated oh, as your okay. primary residence. So it has to be someone's okay, primary. Okay, so that's a good clarification. I thought yeah. it had to be yours. So no. hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, this is irrelevant and yeah. then and the whole motion got shot down. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I do um, anticipate that, you know, something will move ahead. Um, but I have chatted with... Um, a few guys that run about 150 Airbnbs downtown and they've been a part of this process over the last, I think this is the third time the appeal has been pushed back. And okay. what they had indicated to me was each time it's been pushed back, things have been dropped off. 
So they had, you know, the very first one was like, absolutely no Airbnb. No, 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 no. And then they said, okay, well, you know, that's not a feasible option for us. Right. What, you know, what concessions are we willing to make to move this forward and to pass this? And then they weren't able to come to any sort of conclusion or agreement. And then the second one, they came back and said, okay, we'd be willing to do X, Y, and Z. And then there was pushback on it. No, that doesn't make sense. Okay, the final appeal is going to be this year in 2019. These are all the proposals. Let's pass something else. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, one or two of the items that they're proposing maybe drop us, drops yeah. off. But they I think their intention is to, to finalize something and, and have something complete. Well, let's hope that it's not a conclusion that it has to be a primary residence because that honestly is quite devastating to a lot of um, real estate investors. And obviously, I'm thinking from the investor's sure. standpoint, uh, I like the idea of Toronto being able to be a destination where people can have their pick of where they stay. You know, somebody yeah. wants to visit Toronto can go, you know, stay in a condo downtown. You know, it, it, it bugs me a little bit when the government starts saying what a person can or can't do with their mm -hmm. property. If they choose to rent it out to a stranger, I mean, the property owner is the one taking the risk there, not the government. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that um, just based on what's happening in the rental market downtown, I think Airbnb is a very easy scapegoat as sort of a you know temporary band-aid fix to say this is the reason yeah. why we don't have the inventory. Um, the rental inventory, yeah. right? So yeah. it's you know it's a very easy way in the media to say, okay, this is absolutely yeah. the reason why we don't have enough rental inventory and we're at a 0.7% vacancy rate downtown, which is at a historical low. Like a healthy market is somewhere between three and 4%. We're at 0.7%. Yeah. We have essentially no rental inventory. Um, but is Airbnb the reason for that? I don't think so. Should the government incentivize, you know, smaller investors such as you and I mm -hmm. to purchase condos or developers to construct more purpose-built buildings? Sure. I think that's probably one way to, you yeah. know, well, increase that inventory a little bit. How far down the rabbit hole do we want to go? Yeah. I mean, I could blame HST yeah. for, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, HST is a very easy scapegoat. You look at uh, a lot of uh, flip properties per se. If, if sure. you over-renovate a flip property, HST is now applicable. Yeah. Clippers property is 100% gone or their profit is 100% gone. gone and in yeah. the negative because yeah. of HST. So uh, the taxation alone reductions in that on new construction or removal of HST from new construction units would open this market up for sure. Uh, but you know, oh, don't say that. Let's blame Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I, I again, think we could go on for days of, of, of you know, why this things. is happening and, and, you know, government interference. And ultimately it all comes back to these problems all really stem from government involvement in the first place. Yeah, but yeah, totally. <laughs> side conversation but, we're playing the game here yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but with that being said we'll see what happens with these yeah. rules however if everything goes to the in uh sways in the investors favor we can talk a little bit about what yeah. the numbers look like yeah i'd like to i'd like to know what what your numbers look like yeah. so so why don't we start with um your average monthly rent like what kind of average Gross income are you um, pulling in? Let's talk about last month. 5200 in gross. Okay, okay, so one month. Is, is that is that a fairly standard month? Yes. So winter, summer, doesn't matter? That one there, I had 5200 as my gross and I had a week and a half blocked off. Okay. Oh, okay. But I would say 5200 would be relatively average. That was obviously August, but just, yeah, average month, 
5,200 is probably so average realistic. month 5,200 doesn't matter if it's December or uh, January. The, I, I would say my slowest months that I've seen would be uh, November and February, I believe, were my two okay. slowest months. Yeah, it makes sense that the holidays yeah. would be busy. Yeah. Um, okay, so 5,200 a month, and then you've got a, uh, a condo fee on that. Uh, that bad my boy. condo fee is 490. 490. That's actually not bad. Not compared bad. To a and lot. that includes all of my utilities except for hydro. Okay. Pretty standard agreement. So, yep. so, um, and then what is, uh, your electric cost? 65 to 70 bucks a month. 70 bucks a month. And then you've got insurance on that or no? Yeah. Uh, 30 bucks for insurance. 30. Yeah. Yep. It's just like a basic policy because the condo will have its own it's, insurance. Yeah. It's contents insurance, essentially. Yeah. It's, with a condo, you're basically getting the same thing that you would as a renter. Right. Okay, so condo fee, electric, insurance, property tax. Property tax would be somewhere in the ballpark of about two ten. What else am I missing here? You pay for inter- internet I'm and TV. I'm paying internet there, which is fifty bucks a month. Internet and TV as well, or no? No TV. I just have Netflix. Really? Netflix and people and are Crave. cool with that on Airbnb? Absolutely, hundred percent. Okay, so you've just internet is fifty. Uh, yep. You had a good deal. What is it? Tech savvy or something? No, it's Rogers. I don't know. Oh, well, okay. I think my fiance is just a better negotiator than I am. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, okay, so anything I'm missing? You've got some, you probably have to refresh soaps. Yeah, I say and, consumables, maybe yeah. 80 bucks a month. 80 bucks a month. So that, give me an example of a couple of consumables. Toilet paper, shampoo, yeah. um, condiments. Okay. Do you pay anyone to manage or clean um, I do have a cleaner that I pay every now yeah. and then. And then sometimes um, we will do the flips ourselves and, and keep sure. the uh, keep the cash for that. Okay. So the 5200 is that before your cleaning fee or does that? That is before my cleaning fee. Okay. So what is your cleaning fee for a month, would you say? Uh, it would be 90 bucks. A, so I, I do $90 as my cleaning fee. Yeah. Okay. I do a minimum on my rentals of two, two nights with a maximum of 10. So okay. I usually have somewhere in the ballpark of... Between 10, let's say on average 10 to 11 stays. 10, so 11 stays, let's just say 11 stays times 90 bucks then? Yeah. That, so 990 on cleaning. Does that sound right for a month? Yeah, that's probably That's actually fair. your cost reasonably? That's, so I pay my cleaner 75. Okay, so okay. We'll, we'll do that. We'll do yeah. 75. But my my gross cost, like my cost that I pass along would be 90. Yeah, that's nice. Hey, you got, you got to mark that up a yeah. bit. Okay, so... In a month. Okay, so then the other thing is your mortgage payment. Yep. Uh, mortgage payment's about 1900 1900 And for context, what is this place? Is this a one-bed plus den? This is a two-bedroom, one-bathroom two with parking. And in what area? Uh, this is in Fort York. Fort York. So Bathurst and Lakeshore. Bathurst and Lakeshore. Okay. Yeah. So fifteen hundred and forty-five bucks left over at the end of that month. Yeah, and so, that's an average month. That's so an average month. on the, you know, in the summer, things tend to get a little juicier, yeah. and then you know, in the winter we might be closer to eleven or twelve hundred. But I think to get anything over a thousand dollars a month in cash flow from a condo downtown is that's great, pretty reasonable. That's great. Yeah. How much of your time is that taking up to do? Um, I'd probably say we spend maybe two to three hours a week on it. Two to three hours a week. Okay. And, but if you didn't do any of the cleaning at all, then it would be... Yeah, maybe an hour. Maybe it'd be an hour a week, so yeah. four hours a month. Mm-hmm. That's really, uh, 
that's really not bad. I mean, for for your your time, I guess if we divided that by four, yeah, because technically I've I've factored enough here that that you could pay to have it cleaned every time. Yeah, uh, that's about three hundred eighty six bucks an hour for your time that yeah. you're making there. It's not bad. Yeah, so I had I don't know if you uh, you watched the episode or heard it. Uh, I had Sammy Khan on yeah the, way back when the, the Airbnb from, guy uh, Montreal right uh, from Montreal? Ottawa, Ottawa sorry yeah, yeah, yeah Ottawa yeah. Yeah. likes to sublet Airbnbs yes and I've heard it. there are other people that do this actually I just randomly stumbled across a Grant Cardone podcast yesterday that yeah. the guy was doing the same thing. re rental strategy right re rental strategy yeah. and he was saying that like if your normal rent would be 1500 in the US markets you you should be able to get 4500 on Airbnb like if your standard rent is 1500 mm-hmm. um, do you think that would translate in Toronto like what what is the normal monthly rent for your place there um probably 27 to 2800 so i think that you're looking yeah. at probably double. double so more of a double versus three times yeah yeah um but again it's you know I I think a lot of people like to toss out large numbers because that forty five hundred might be his you know, pitch. one of his largest months. Yeah. So I could easily say, okay, yeah, months we've had sixty five hundred or seventy five hundred, but yeah. I would say to be conservative and to be average fifty two hundred would be Yeah. Common. Not bad. Now I guess so. Would you cash flow if you worked the numbers out if you just uh, rented it on a regular I would cash flow like 50 bucks a month. 50 bucks, So yeah. my sort of um, interim strategy would be more of a corporate stay. So there's a, a website called Rent It Furnished. Yep. Um, and, you know, on there, I would probably get for somewhere between a three to six month rental, 3,800 to 4,000, yeah. right? So it's, do I want to take that temporary hit for a longer period in terms of a yeah. stay but then i also fall under the ltb rules which i think is one of the biggest benefits of airbnb yeah well you're saying not falling under ltb yeah. yeah so the benefit is not the disadvantages would be paying hst or charging it and mm-hmm. remitting it mm-hmm. and uh and then of course if if the city says you can't do this anymore then that's yeah that's where so what will you do depending on if that if that turns out um not in our favor here I will either partner with someone who will designate it as their primary residence and find some sort of opportunity to do it that way. And mm-hmm. I, I will play within the rules 100%. I do believe in playing within the rules. Yeah. Or I change my strategy to a corporate stay, which yeah. is fine. I'm still in a cash flow positive position every month and I still get to keep my condo downtown. Yeah. Um, and you've already got it furnished. It's furnished. It's ready to go. So I think, um, yeah, if the government you know, changes the rules... It's not going to deter me or force me to sell my property. Yeah. It's just going to um, make me readjust my strategy and figure out a way to continue to make it yeah. profitable. Just need to know the rules well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So uh, let's let's move into one of your London properties because that sure. you, you moved to London as far as your investing goes for yeah, the next two. So I'm originally two. from London. You're originally from? Born and raised yeah. in London. And then I moved to Toronto because yeah. I was DJing, which we were talking about earlier. So yeah. yeah, I DJed for like 10 years and then that brought me to Toronto because we were playing quite a few gigs yeah. and I was working full time and I didn't have enough time to DJ and work full time. So I thought that real estate would be an excellent opportunity for me to work for myself and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm not DJing and I'm working full time in real estate because I, I truly did find that it was my passion and it's you know what I, I actually want to do for the rest of my life. Um, whereas 
I don't think I want to be a 50 year old DJ. Okay. So you gave up the music dream similar to, yeah. uh, maybe to me in a little way. I, <laughs> I used to, uh, I used to play gigs, the horseshoe, Rivoli, oh, okay, cool. uh, hard rock. Nice. And I played, uh, played all that stuff with my band and, um, I, you know, eventually I think people, it wasn't me per se, but yeah, the rest of the band sort of, uh, kids and marriage yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, eventually then I got busy with what I'm doing. And I think it's, yeah. uh, an amazing creative outlet, yeah. but I think that, um, I don't know, at the end of the day, it, it's, it wasn't something that I could foresee myself doing in the long term, even though I was super passionate about it and everything was going mm. very well with that career. It sure. wasn't something that, you know, when I was 22 and I was DJing, I could foresee myself doing at 40. Okay. Whereas when I got into real estate, yeah. I, I was like, I can't foresee my life without doing this. Yeah. I find real estate fun too. Uh, I mean, it's, it's surprising to me that I never did want to, or did go down to the, the road of becoming a realtor just because I do, I do enjoy talking about real estate all day long, but I think that talking about it from an investor standpoint probably suits me a bit better. And, yeah. I also think that, um, there's this sort of like sexiness on the outside of what it looks like to be a realtor, <laughs> but it's, yeah. you know, as a realtor, you're more of a salesperson slash, you know, if, if you're a realtor who just does intend to grow their business, it's, you know, how do you grow a sales business? Um, with the product being real estate. So you need to be passionate about the product, but you also need to be a salesperson and a business person versus just someone who just stares at, you know, who looks Mm. at the numbers and is going through, um, the renovation process and stuff like that. So it's it's a very different, Oh, I agree. Um, it's a very different, you know, sub industry in itself in real estate. Oh uh, yeah. I know. I know, um, quite a few realtors and, and, uh, I've had kind of an inside look uh, through the many years and, and I having been an active mortgage agent that built my own business, uh, I went through the same thing. I think that I just skipped some of the running around because in the mortgage business, you can work from home and just write the deals. Yeah. But in real estate, you're running around showing people into houses and, um, Obviously, there's something that goes with that. I do actually love seeing houses. Yeah. You know, like a day spent seeing like 10 houses and, and, you know, visualizing what I would do and talking about how much money I could make off of that. Like that's like, you know, a kid at uh, at Disney World. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But it uh, it absolutely can be amazing. And I think there's, you know, there's far more pros than there are cons, especially for me being in sales for a lot of my life as well. Yeah. that I really, really enjoy, uh, enjoy, and I love the the realtor portion of the business. But I also very much like stepping aside and putting on the proper investor hat yes. and doing those projects. Sure. That's super exciting to me. Absolutely. So why don't we focus on that for a second? Yeah. So, so the London deals. What was the first London deal you bought? The first London deal that I purchased was a condo townhouse near Fanshawe. Okay. Um, so student rental? That one's a student rental. Right now, we actually have a family that's in there. Okay. Um, so why don't I tell you about what the property is now and then what the goal is sure. um, when we do the renovation for it. So we purchased that property. This was an MLS deal. Mm-hmm. Purchased the property for 160000 When? Last August. Or sorry, it would have been last July, closed in August. Okay. Okay. Um gross rents for that property are 1650 so it was 1% rule all day long just slightly above just right off the bat okay yep and but you have condo fee there i have a condo fee there it's yeah. um quite low though so the way that i looked at it was this 
Um, my condo fee is $192 a month there. So very reasonable. Yeah. That handles all of my exterior maintenance. So windows, roof, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, all of my groundskeeping. And um, my insurance goes from 110 or whatever it would be to about 30. Save so the money right there. I'm able to compensate yeah. for about 50% of the maintenance yep. fees by it actually being a condo and not yep. having to worry about any of the exterior maintenance. Yeah, I get a deal and I'm paying like 100 bucks a month for my landscaping, landscaping. and my, my properties. Yeah. So yeah. with the duplex, we I pay 95 bucks or whatever, right? So yeah. the way that I see it is, okay, well, if I get my roof and my windows covered and my landscaping and my insurance goes down, it's not horrible. Yeah. Uh, for 190. Okay, so what's what's your cash flow on that one? That one at 16.50 is about 4.25. So it's not the juiciest in terms of yeah, cash but flow. Yeah, you right bought now. it for 160. 160 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and no rentals. Sorry. Uh we yeah. didn't do any renovations, just painting. That's, that's a slam dunk so all day long. That was a great deal, but yeah. the intention for that property, so it's a th- um sorry, it's a 3 bed uh one and a half bath with um a mm-hmm. partially finished basement. Okay? okay. The intention for that is to add another full bathroom, um, separate another room in the basement and separate the living room is massive. So put a small bedroom mm-hmm. and basically cut the living room in half yeah. so that we so can add do some bedrooms. five bedrooms, three bathrooms. Um, so the gross rents would probably be somewhere between 25 and 2700. And then we do this sort of student rental thing for five to five fifty a bedroom. Wow, if you got that, you'd be cash flowing over a thousand bucks. Yeah, the, the target cash flow will be somewhere in the ballpark of about eleven hundred. Off of an asset you can acquire for under two hundred grand. That's mm-hmm. uh that's killing it. Yeah, no, it's uh that one's a great deal. It's just a matter of um waiting a little bit and having to work with the condo corp to ensure yeah. that we can, you know, get the egress windows cut in because it's not yeah. it isn't something that you can just make uh, an executive decision on nope. there are some processes that you have to go through however the deal was so good that i'm i'm yeah. willing to do those things pro tip a uh, friend of mine um he actually him and his two other buddies in a condo community of about 40 units got on the condo board mm-hmm. and they just they got themselves elected and then they just passed the rule that you could you could cut any egress windows as yeah. long as you used an approved contractor see i think that um have you heard about the three guys who sat on all those condo boards in toronto no so this what they were doing was illegal however it was extremely intelligent so what these guys did was they went and they applied all three together yeah. for multiple condo boards and you didn't have to live in the building to apply for these to be condo elected boards. yes oh, so cool they got themselves elected to all of these condo boards and they owned, I think it was like a window cleaning company. They owned just like a generic <laughs> clean, like a generic Perfect. cleaning company. So what they would do is they would sit on all these boards yeah. and then they would vote their own companies in for these large contracts. Yeah, that's borderline unethical. Yeah, so it was super unethical, but it was also incredibly intelligent and oh, uh, very entrepreneurial. Hey, if them. the rules allow for it until they pass a rule that doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just, I thought that was funny. I, I was reading about that. I was like, oh, these guys yeah. are hilarious. Um, so yes, yeah. if you can sit on the condo board, at least yeah. you do get your vote for the things that you want and it's uh, not a bad idea. So you're at 400 and change right now in cash flow. Yep. Right, does that factor in something for maintenance yeah. on so, the inside? Uh, that yeah. would include, again, that's my mortgage uh, management at 8%. Okay. Oh, uh, you pay a manager. Pay a manager for that. Okay. Um, which I probably 
didn't really need to, but at the end of the day, I'm still cash flowing and it gives me the peace of mind that I don't have to deal with that. Not bad. So not bad at that all. was fine. Um, mm-hmm. about a hundred bucks a month, I still put aside for maintenance. Good idea. Um, yeah. um, my maintenance fees, my insurance, and that's pretty much everything. That's awesome. So I factored it all in. That's solid cash flow. Now, would that deal still be attainable? today no so the market's appreciated pretty significantly and uh so with london what i actually find especially dealing with a lot of my friends who are in the first time buyer category yeah many people didn't want to purchase semi-detached condo townhouses they only want detached properties Mm -hmm. so as the market was appreciating pretty significantly last year there was i think an opportunity in this condo townhouse sector where people were sort of overlooking it and now because of the purchase price in london being above four hundred thousand, people are starting to be open to alternative styles of of deals so i would say that that 160 in literally one year is probably 230 beautiful so yeah, it's been very fruitful from an appreciation perspective yes. as well. Well, there's uh you know, there's a lesson to be learned there. And this is a not a pattern that's exclusive to London. This is no, any absolutely. city, anywhere, the the first properties to go up most likely are going to be your single detached, yep. following your condos, your condo townhouses, like basically just in order of desirability. Yeah. So the first one explodes and the others take time. The same yep. thing goes with the construction. When construction costs go up it takes time for housing prices on resale to go up, right? Yes. People have to realize, hey, wait a minute. These new houses are getting more and more expensive. Yeah, I'm going to go buy a used one. A little bit of a yeah. trailing yeah. sort of lag on that, yeah. And then there's the trailing of rents. Yes. So if you understand that the rents have to catch up or if you just went through a big housing boom but rents haven't caught up yet and you're at break-even cash flow, then there's a good chance if the pattern continues that your rents are going to be going up in the next couple of years. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's also sort of been a position that I've had with um, investor clients in the condo market downtown is it's if the rental um prices continue on the same trend that they are now if we're able to purchase you a condo that's break even this year as long as we can sort of stay on that same path uh you should be in a relatively decent cash flow position after the first turnover of tenant yeah yeah i i think that that's uh that's Definitely something that an investor needs to have their mind open to. Yeah. Not saying that everyone's going to do that, but if you're not super like, I need cash flow right now anyway, yeah. and you can wait it out. I've just seen it across all my properties. I've seen rents going up. They do go up. It does take time. Students are a funny little animal. Like, I, I, I never really know what's too much to ask, and I also don't know, you know, what's, what's normal. Yeah. I just ask. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. And I think that um, the funny thing with students is, I don't know. I feel like if they have a good relationship with you, they might, they're just like, okay, you're, you know, you're a good guy. I feel like you're going to take care of me. I'm willing to pay you 25 bucks a month more than the next guy. Right. I feel like there is some decent room for negotiation with that. I think what I always thought in my head was, well, if parents are paying for it, I mean, their kids place, if they, if they had set aside, you know, 600 and it ends up being 700, most parents are just going to be like, what's a hundred bucks? Yeah, absolutely. Whereas it, it gets a little bit different, you know, if you're talking about buying a house and it's, you know, $20,000 more or whatever, like yeah. it, it's not a big number for the parent. Yeah. So that's why I like it because, you know, I've, I've got, I don't really have six kids occupying my house. I have six kids living in it and their parents their are parents paying are the paying. rent. <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing too, is that, um, you have to position your product in yeah. a way that, you know, you can sell to the parents. So if, if, 
you know, you're willing to offer something for $700 a month and everybody else is at 550, but yeah. you can sell the fact that you do all of these things that are, sure. are it's going to give them peace of mind or for just their make kids. It nicer. Yeah, it's yeah. it's literally a no-brainer to yeah. them. Oh yeah, like so safety equipment, <laughs> yeah. like making sure basements have big windows. These are things that I thought about. I'm like, well, yeah. who's going to come through here? You know, good good chance the parents are going to want to come through and yeah. see it before the kid signs a lease. Totally. Sometimes they don't. Actually, a lot of times they don't, but they'll have their kid take pictures and show and say, oh, do they have smoke detectors downstairs? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah for So, sure. yeah, you know, being able to say, oh, it's brand new or it's newly renovated, you know, those things help. Yeah, uh, 100%. What about your next property? So that one worked out well. The next, the next property one? was um, just funny backstory on it. I actually saw Adam Martin post a Instagram video saying, hey, I'm in Toronto. I don't know anyone. If anyone wants to meet me for a beer, send me a message. Yeah. And I was like, honestly, I'm just going to send this guy a message. He looks kind of like a cool guy. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I sent him a message and then he sends me a video message back saying, hey, you know what? Sorry, I posted that earlier. I'm actually on my way back to London. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Hopefully I can meet you next time I'm in Toronto. Yeah. So I start telling him and he goes, oh yeah, you invest in London. Do you happen to know anybody who'd be looking for a duplex in the Old East Village? And I was like, I might. And this was six weeks after I had just closed on the other one. The other one, okay. And so my fiance is like, we're not purchasing another house. <laughs> we literally just closed on this one. Uh, so I told Adam to send me the numbers. And uh, I drove back to London the week after to go look at the property. And it happened to be one that i had been looking for for a while so it wasn't an up and down duplex it's actually front and back so okay. each of the units have their own separate basement for storage there's a sub panel on the second one um so nice. it's three beds uh three bed one bath with an unfinished basement like large unfinished basement in the front and then uh there was an addition on the back for a one bedroom unit that we converted to a one bedroom plus den Okay, so is it so it's two units, but you're using it as three or no, no, no. Sorry, uh, it's it's two units. Okay, so just the, two. The first, like the front yeah. unit, is a three bedroom. Yeah. And then the back unit was a one bedroom, which was occupied by this like professional tenant who smoked and okay. it. So we put that one into contract. Um, I want to say September 2018 and yeah. I closed March 2019 because I was able to negotiate with the seller that I wanted vacant possession of that yeah. unit and he agreed to it. So we worked together through the process to get her out of there, but it was mm -hmm. a lengthy process and she hadn't been paying since April of 2018. Oh, so she was, she was due to be evicted anyway. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So that place needed, I mean, she'd smoked in there. It wasn't in terrible shape and he had yeah. actually just renovated the, the front unit. So I didn't have to do any work on the front unit, which was amazing. The back yeah. unit needed a light rehab, but there was this sort of underutilized portion of the basement. So the basement in that one's actually finished. The kitchen is down there. It's a little bit of a weird layout, but it mm -hmm. works. Um, but there was this utility room where the furnace and the laundry was, and it was a decent size like i would say it's probably three quarters of this room that we're sitting in here okay right now and we just kept thinking this adds probably somewhere in the ballpark of 20 percent additional square footage that okay. could be utilized so we end up converting that into a finished space that's okay. a, now a den um that i think the tenant's using more so as an office and we right. added sliding doors with laundry and whatever so it you know, we were able to add 20% more square footage. And then the, the actual rents from that one, she was paying, 
I think like 650 and we're at 1025 plus utilities now. You pushed up your rents. What are your total rents on the on the building? Uh 2650. 2650. That's good. And I acquired that one at 252. 252. Or two sorry, 253. Acquired the property at 250 and there was a $3000 wholesale fee to Adam. Okay, yeah. So shout out to Adam for wholesaling properties. <laughs> yeah, I, I love like you, Adam. Adam. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks Adam, for you that know, property. He had a, he had a good uh, a good uh, episode on this show too. And you know, yeah, no, his I listened to his. His, uh, his yeah. was great. And also, I just very much respect that yeah. whole crew. But I think that what Adam's been able to accomplish in probably the last year and a half is incredible and everyone should review his story and just have yeah. the work ethic that he does and you can accomplish anything really yeah yeah just really immersed himself in it um so 2650 is your your rent there yep. do you know what your cash flow is offhand that one's about 850 and that's managed as well that one's managed as well with the eight percent management fee and you still set aside 100 bucks a month for maintenance yep that one okay. we've got the um grass cutting and snow yeah removal and so stuff you like gotta that. pay for that too um yeah. But yeah, the, they pay their own utilities. I think my insurance there is 105 or 110 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Um, property tax is probably in the ballpark of 190 to 200 bucks a month. The mortgage is about a thousand. So you're, you're doing you're doing pretty well with your first few properties. Like you're you're cash flowing quite well. Yeah. Quite quickly. Yeah. No, it's been. Um, yeah. They've been fruitful so far. And don't get me wrong, have I run into issues that have set me back slightly on those months? Yeah. For sure, right? Yeah. Um, but I, again, you know, going back to the whole mindset thing, you get super excited as as an investor and you think like, oh, you know, I'm going to, yeah. I'm banking on this 450 and this 850 every single month. And it's, mm-hmm. you just need to be prepared that, you know, out of the year, there's going to be a couple months where that gets, you know, chewed up pretty quickly over yes. the small items. So, yeah. you know, don't get discouraged during those months because it is um, very easy to let your emotions take over and say like, oh, yes. this was a bad idea. Um, stay the course. Don't get frustrated. Everything mm-hmm. will work out in the long term. I budgeted 5%. I, I typically look at 5% of my student rentals for maintenance. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Some, sometimes I don't get anything. And then sometimes it really hurts. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, sure. I had my, my furnace. I wasn't checking on this property over the summer there was a kid living there but he wasn't living in the basement furnace the condensate was not dripping through the pipe and into the drain it was dripping out of the side of the furnace onto the floor oh no flooded the whole side of the basement oh no and this is the second time in in a year and a second side time inside of 12 months that i've had to pull the floor out pull the trim off oh no and uh, luckily it's waterproof floor but it has to be cleaned because yeah. it's been sitting there in water for three months oh for sure and yeah, yeah. um you know these things happen, but you got to realize it's part of the game and you have to set money aside for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You just, yeah. you um, can't get shiny object syndrome and just yeah. assume that everything is perfect. Even in a brand new build, you know, your yeah. tenants can do something sure. that can, you know, set you back a little bit. So just be prepared for those items because they will happen. Um, but again, this isn't, a, you know, this isn't a short-term game. If you're going to yeah. be, you know, a real estate investor and you want to do it proper, yeah. Focus on the long term. Well, you're doing a nice job so far. So uh, thank you. To yeah, you. I appreciate it. Um, what's next for you? Um, the Christie Pitts property is uh, something that needs to get finished. So I'm living in that one now. Um, my goal was to utilize that one as a my what I call the Toronto version of a house hack. So my yeah. goal is to not 
completely eliminate my uh, living expenses, but to reduce my living expenses to uh, about the average of what it would cost me to live in a small 500 square foot one bedroom condo. Yeah. But I've got three bedrooms and a bathroom mm-hmm. and outdoor space and stuff like that. So yeah. that's my compromise in Toronto. Okay. Um, and then from there, um, I think my my next real plan of action is I want to do the uh, uh, the vacation rental, um, so I can get a you know a cottage that I can use for myself temporarily. But I also yeah. again I'm a big proponent of Airbnb and, and that kind of thing. So I think that uh, is probably my yeah. next step. Yeah, when you have vacancy, you can go up and check on your property exactly. for three nights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, I don't know. I think that you know oftentimes we purchase these properties and stuff, yeah. and we don't have the opportunity to utilize what we're investing in and i I find that that's a good hybrid theory and um luke and jess have i think acquired maybe four or so vacation rentals since they made their first presentation which was probably like seven or eight months ago at their meetup and they've been extremely lucrative and profitable for them so i think um it's a good way to be able to enjoy your investment a little bit, but still make uh, a decent return. So Luke's got a meetup in Toronto, right? Yeah. At, I've uh, never been. Oh, you have to go. No, where, where does he host it? Black Lab Brewery. So okay. it's actually, um, just even a side note on just the brewery itself, it's pretty yeah. cool because you can bring your dog there. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, so you can bring your dog there and have beers. I actually find a lot of uh, breweries in Toronto you yeah. can, which is pretty cool. But um, yeah, his meetup's great. They usually do about a half an hour presentation for... Uh, some sort of investor strategy. Yeah. Luke will go over um, a deal or so that he's done in the last month yeah. and then a lot of networking. Yeah, there's a, a, a lot of good meetups going on right now and and uh, one of my resolutions to myself is I'm going to start getting out to a lot more of them because I, I started mine and that was all I was really going to and then the right club is here in town. Yeah. And But there's the stuff happening in Toronto. There's the stuff happening in uh, in London and there really is no excuse for me not to be there because it's such a growth thing going to these meetups is such a huge growth thing and and so many tips tricks strategies oh, ideas yeah. come out of them and then before you know it boom that just made me a bunch of money yeah no and, absolutely yeah. and I think for me too it yeah. was you know doing this sort mm. of uncomfortable networking yeah. has led me to purchase all of the properties that I had have in the last year and the most important thing was that it led me to actually take action because i had wanted to do it for so long and then you start to really involve yourself with people who are doing it and you're like okay i have to pull the trigger beautiful um so jenna what would be the best way if people wanted to reach out to you and learn more about you what you do um maybe you know maybe talk to you about some real estate what would be the best way uh, Instagram's probably the easiest way to reach me. So it's pace of base, or you can reach me at, um, by email, which is emma.pace at zucasa.com. Pace of base. Pace of base. Yes. <laughs> Ace of base. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I appreciate that handle. That's a very cool <laughs> one. Okay. Well, anyways, I really appreciate you, uh, you coming on yeah, and, no, uh, hopefully me. people will, will take a look at what you're doing and, and, you know, take something from this interview because, uh, you know, you're off to a great start. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. All right. We'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Just a quick reminder to please rate and review this podcast. If you have not already done so, if you're watching on YouTube, please take a moment and click that subscribe button. Give it a like leave me a comment. It just helps more people to find the podcast helps it grow. I also wanted to remind you about the Greater Hamilton REI Meetup. 
As of the date I'm recording this, our next event is on Wednesday, September 25th at 7 p.m. If you're not already in the private group and on the event, please reach out to me on Instagram or on Facebook at the Andrew Hines, and I'll make sure that you get the invite and get into the group.